proudly present. You better be careful. A girl could get used to this. It's like she has put a spell on you. Fran Drescher. You remember what I told you? Boys would like me for what I am. A, a princess, princess with a great big dowry. Timothy Dalton. Talk to the hand. <laughs> the beautician and the beast. I always wanted to do that. Let's do this. Are you still going to play Tiny Tower while we record? No, I was just doing it while we were doing the 10 seconds, bro. Fran Drescher's Fran Dresser. She calls the bureau drawer. She's a curious cat. <laughs> That's my vocal one. Today we are gonna, we are gonna welcome you. All alone in the moon. We are making this a quick episode. We don't have time for your ballads. Let your memory you. Sorry. What? We have a special Open up and take the light. We do not have time for this. What time I do what you know, everyone who clicked on this to hear about the petition and the beast just hung up. Because now you made them think it's a podcast about a podcast cats. Has begun. <laughs> All right. You know, I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. I am going to just sing A New Day Has Begun and we'll fade in on that. Okay. The commercial that we open with will fade in, and this isn't a lie, and they're not going to hear all of this. No, no. It's going to fade in on me going, a new t- I'm going to do it now. <clears throat> a new day has begun. Ba, 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 ba. See, now you thought that was the cat's riff, the da, 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 but it's not. It's the opening of the TV show The Critic starring John Lovitz, which also goes. It's like almost the same, and it drives me nuts. Every time I hear the cat's riff, all I think of is The Critic starring John Lovitz. I never even heard of it. It's great. You'd love it. Well, I mean, Hachimachi. I'd, I'd it love it. Hilarious reference get to it? a cartoon that's twenty years old. What? Get my, get my joke. I'd Are love it. Are you winking? Oh, you'd love it. it. You'd love it. it. But would you leave it? Yeah. Um. Welcome to the Pants Are Too Tight. The best name for a podcast ever. It's a show about the little things, the littlest, tiny, that we obsess things. over. We you haven't have gotten issues. that yet, Molly. You're a little behind, Molly. Please. Nobody's behind. Every comic book is someone's first, as Stan Lee once said. Or I thought we were making a podcast and not a comic book. My mistake. In all likelihood, Jack Kirby said it and Stan Lee polished up the dialogue. The point is, this is a show about the little things, not the good little things, the little things that we obsess over. Some of them are good, though. Some of them are good. It's just that they kind of drive us a little bananas. That they Listen, at some point we will complain about something. And that's, you know, it's in our nature. It's who we are. It still keeps us up at night, even if it's a good thing we're yes. obsessed over. Like, sometimes let's be clear. You can sometimes stay up because you're so happy about something and you want to talk about it for hours and hours with your and siblings. And that's pretty much what we do. And that's exactly what happened with today's little nugget that we're going to talk to you about. Oh, a beautiful film that we uh, only first encountered here in the quarantine. Yes. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, today's episode is, well, you probably know if you clicked oh, wait, on wait, it. Wait, 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 Molly? Yeah. 
We do have a tiny bit of business from the last episode that I have to tell you about. Oh, now, okay, go you, ahead. If you remember, folks, if you missed our last episode, we were talking about the best and worst movies based on TV shows. Yes. Right? And I named my sort of number one movie based on a TV show, even though my favorite movie based on a TV show right. is, uh, is, is Batman Mask of the Phantasm or Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. They're very neck and neck for me. But my what I think is the best, like objectively, if I had to offer up one film based on a TV show as like put this in the uh, the Library of Congress, that kind of situation. If I had to offer up one truly great film based on a TV show, it would be The Fugitive starring Harrison Ford, because I think that's a perfect movie. It's really it's fun. It's tense, but it's it's also very serious. Like it's a great movie. And so I would consider that a great film based on a TV show. And I was explaining at some point in the show what the original show The Fugitive was how there was a reboot TV show with Tim Daly and how they're doing another reboot for Quibi, the funniest streaming service in the world. A little bit of extra on that, in case you missed us talking about Quibi. Quibi is a streaming service where every episode is 8 to 10 minutes long. They don't have any old content. They only produce new content because everything on Quibi has to be viewable in the dimensions of a phone video, as in vertical, or a TV show horizontal you can only watch quibi on your phone they just recently allowed it to be viewed on a laptop they finally relented but for a long time you could only view it on a phone or a tablet so everything is eight to ten minutes long uh the shows are insane there's a show where anna kendrick goes on a road trip with a sex doll there's uh, a show where chrissy teigen just does the people's court but she's so quirky and she's a girl boss etc etc quibi is insane They've spent billions, literally billions of dollars on this service, and no one in the world is downloading it. If you go to their YouTube channel where they've posted some some quibbies for free, uh, there are some of them literally have like 120 views. It's oh, really wow. bad. It's anyway. clear that anyone involved is involved for the money, but Quibi stands for Quick Bite. And so Quibi is the streaming service that is doing the remake of The Fugitive, this time with Kiefer Sutherland as the police officer chasing the man. And I didn't know what the premise was. I assumed it would just be a, a like a beat for beat remake of the movie, but split up into 10 minute chunks. I was wrong. Oh. During last week's episode, I looked up the plot of the new fugitive and it was so funny to me that I thought I should read it out loud to you. This is just the Wikipedia thing. This is hilarious to me. Uh -huh. Maybe you won't find it funny at all. Either way, I am not cutting it out of the podcast. Here is the premise of the 2020 Quibi exclusive, The Fugitive. When a bomb rips through the Los Angeles subway train he's riding, blue-collar Mike Farrow just wants to make sure his wife Allison and 10-year-old daughter Pearl are safe. But the faulty evidence on the ground, and tweet now confirm later journalism paint a nightmarish picture, it looks to all the world that Mike was responsible for the heinous act, wrongfully and very publicly accused, Mike must prove his innocence by uncovering the real perpetrator before the legendary cop heading the investigation can apprehend him. Molly, exactly how much of Harrison Ford's The Fugitive, he directed it now, exactly how much of Harrison Ford's The Fugitive was about tweet now, confirm later journalism? I, I thought that was the entire plot of the film. Molly, you thought, oh, I got some bad news. We should watch The Fugitive. No. So, yeah, first that's, of all, that's not at all the man's is. wife is not dead, which is like one change that I'm okay with because, you know, it's a very it's become a very misogynistic trope to just use dead wives as a like a prop for male characters. But Molly, 
So to be clear, A, the disaster is upgraded from the murder of a woman, which, look, real quick, in terms of things you could easily misconstrue who did it, a dead woman whose husband has no alibi, very easy to misconstrue. Blowing up a subway train, it feels like there would be a lot of evidence. Well, I'm a big Criminal, criminal Minds fan, yeah. and um, I can tell you that you can pretty much misconstrue any crime to be um, anyone else. Um, yeah. I have seen them blow up many things, and uh, there's been a lot of false suspects. So yeah. I've seen some things blow up, and I've heard like a siren noise, but that's just what happens in the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah, because I get too scared to watch the show. Uh, Danny watches with me sometimes. So, uh, first of all, I hate the sort of modern element yeah. of tweet, tweet now. No. It sounds mm. very much like, uh, uh, how do I put this delicately? Like the kind of people who are always like, well, this Me Too movement, we have to be careful about these famous men. We might ruin their reputations. Like it's that kind of, when people say tweet now, confirm later journalism, they're talking about like, well, hold on. Maybe the president isn't a fake news. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's what people mean. People are never talking about tweet now, confirm later journalism of like, actually, that video of the duck is fake. They're never talking about that. No. They're always talking about like, well, hold on now. Maybe this Bill Cosby guy is nice, you know? And like, hear me out. The last thing I need to watch before I... Oh, also the whole blue collar hero, Mike, whatever his name is. We we were were we really so scared about alienating people by having a main character be a doctor? Is that too stuffy and intellectual? Not like a real American, a blue collar hero with a daughter named Pearl because it's 1920, I guess. No offense. I have a friend my age named Pearl. She's very nice. I just. It's a weird concept. Also, the last thing I need to see before I die, I was about to say, is I don't need to see any more Kiefer Sutherland chasing down accused terrorists. All right. 24 was more than enough. The man deserves a break. Let Kiefer Sutherland play a bad CGI lion like he did in the wild. All right. If we're going to typecast him as anything, typecast him as a father struggling to get his son to roar loud enough to scare off wildebeests, voiced by William Shatner and Patrick Warburton. But couldn't the wildebeests be considered terrorist, Danny? No, actually, the wildebeests didn't do it, Molly. It was those Uh, little geckos that would change color. I didn't see it because Madagascar came out. You and the rest of the world. Exactly. You and the Western Hemisphere, pal. You know it. That's the one time Jeffrey Katzenberg won. Yeah. In the whole DreamWorks Disney yeah. Quibi thing that he's been. Oh, by the way, Jeffrey Katzenberg is the guy who did Quibi. If you don't know Jeffrey Katzenberg, look him up. He's hilarious to me. So <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg, I mean, he just is. Okay. Anyway, so Jeffrey Katzenberg, the only time I feel like he's won in between like the starting of DreamWorks, leaving Disney, trying to destroy them by literally taking their ideas for movies. I feel like the one time it worked was Madagascar. It definitely was. Because Shark Tale didn't beat Nemo. No, but Shark Tale's a hidden gem. And honestly, is Ants Ants is a step down from A Bug's Life. And A Bug's Life is not Pixar's like biggest hit. Anyway. Where does the ant bully fall into all this? Ant bully. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ant Bully was just like some French company making a movie. I feel and, like, like Ant Bully was a fever dream. Literally, it was like the Ant Bully was taking a magnifying glass to your forehead and burning you. Like in Toy Story. Yep. Which Thank God we never got the DreamWorks version of Toy Story, where it's like the toys are like kind of cool now, so they have an attitude. Was flushed away the DreamWorks version you, of Ratatouille? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, it could pass as a DreamWorks version of Toy Story. Yeah, I mean, because he kind of has it all until this shorter, 
slightly rounder toy comes into knocks his life. Knocks him into a toilet. Instead knocks of knocking him out, him out the window. a window. It's very similar, but I mean, that is, I'm inclined to say that's not because I think that was Ardman started making that movie. They're the people who do Wallace and Gromit. DreamWorks yeah. was distributing their movies for a while. I, I never, I never talk badly about the Wallace and Gromit no, folks. They are, they're, they're my heroes. They're beautiful. And they, they, they had a fire at their they studio. They put scarves on chickens to hide the neckline and we all just took that as fact for years that chickens would wear scarves until somebody recently pointed out on the internet that that's why they're all wearing them and none of us blinked at it they're geniuses well when you think about it like almost every Hanna-Barbera Hanna-Barbera cartoon has something around their neck so that it's easier to just draw the head it's genius and it's crazy how like as a child or even an adult watching these things you don't go like hey why does everyone in this cartoon have neckwear? Yeah. Especially like Yogi Bear, who did not wear clothing, but had a tie. Or Boo Boo, who had a bow tie. <laughs> His was even cheaper. His was like all blue. At least Yogi, they had to pull out white and green paint to do it. We're way off topic here. We're way off topic. We're way off topic. Um, we are not here to talk to you about Quibi. was a 10 minute long Quibi about that the was. fugitive. There you go. We're not here to talk to you about Quibi today. Oh, wait, today- Molly, real quick. Do you think we would take a Quibi deal? Like, just if they called us up, we would oh, do it, right? We would do we it. Would do We're it, not right? doing anything else. Yeah, no. Like, hey, Quibi, call us up. Um, we could do a show about Quibi. Molly, this is going to be great. I'll do the Jeffrey Katzenberg story on Quibi. Jeff, uh, I could sell him that. Do you think he'd buy it? I do you think, think they're Jeffrey buying Katzen- anything. I think they're buying anything. Oh, but we don't have anyone famous involved. We have Jeffrey Katzenberg. He'll voice himself. It's perfect. Don't even question it. Um, someone's definitely stealing that idea. Anyway, um, today we are here to talk to you not about Quibi, but a movie that we watched on HBO Max. So for those of you who don't know, Danny is pretty fond of the HBO Max app, and we've been watching yeah. a lot of movies on there. But one night, as we discussed in our last episode briefly, we had this beautiful little trinket that we discovered called The Beautician and the Beast. It's a movie starring Fran Drescher that is like, you know, supposed to follow the beauti- uh, the, beauti- blah, 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 the Beauty and the Beast story. Um, you know, woman meets like mean man, you know, yeah. helps him turn nice type of thing. And we sat down with the expectation of this being a very B-class, like terrible movie. Not well, terrible movie, but just like- Just like good popcorn. You yeah, know, you know, like it was just going to be whatever. We look, were not expecting for it to be like our new favorite movie yeah, or anything. You put on a romantic comedy from the 1990s and you say to yourself, I know what I'm getting. Yeah. You don't expect anything great. You mm-hmm. expect- uh, uh, like any other number of films, perhaps a little emotional investment. Maybe there's a good joke there's here and there. There's a clumsy woman. There's always know. a clumsy woman. You know, that's kind that of what you're like expecting to get. That feels like something Trump would have leveled at Hillary at some point, that she was clumsy. <laughs> like, she's clumsy. clumsy what woman. can we say? She's clumsy. Probably said everything to her. I feel like I did a clucky noise when I said clumsy. I feel like I did like a, <laughs> she's a bit. clumsy. But, so The Beautician and the Beast, um, I, we're just, we want to talk about it. It's, you know, briefly, we're going to give you a little, yeah. a little bit here. Uh, Today's episode won't be three hours long. Nah. Because we're the reason why is not three hours long. we would like to occupy less of your day than watching Beautician and the Beast yeah. would. Yeah. We so that would, way you still have time to watch yes. Beautician and the if Beast. If you watch us and Beautician and the Beast, you'll really have only spent like what? Uh, two hours total. And that's not enough. I'm not going to lie to it's you. It's a short movie. No, so we're so, trying to please both our viewers who, viewers, damn it, listeners who like long podcasts and short podcasts. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really catering to everyone and pleasing nobody. Exactly. So, so the Beautician and the Beast. Molly, Beautician and the Beast is, 
where do I begin to tell the story of how great a love can be? That great love story that is older than the sea. The simple truth about the love she brings to me. She fills my heart with very special things, with this angel songs and wild imaginings. not be a quick podcast if she you go into every lyric of songs. so much love. I think the place to start with The Beautician and the Beast is the fact that so much happens. Yes. Now, I don't want you guys to have the movie spoiled for no. you. You know what? Let's make a pact right now. It's a romantic comedy. All right, that's so we won't tell you if they get together in the end. We won't. But no, spoiler but, alert, it is not a romantic tragedy. Uh, <laughs> like it's not it's not a sad ending. We I don't want to spoil the movie for you, so I'm a little torn on telling you to do this, but if you look up the Wikipedia plot summary, you will be baffled at how much happens in this film. You will feel yeah. like you're reading the description of seven different movies. Yes. So, real quick, just we'll give them the premise. We'll Let's give them the premise. premise. So, Fran Drescher is the star of this film. She plays a character who has a name, but is just Fran Drescher. Yeah. So, she she's Fran Drescher. She's trying to become a beautician. She, well, she is a beautician, but she's trying to become the beautician for the local lottery. She wants to do the hair for the local lottery girl. That's like her dream in life. Yeah. Uh, but she's stuck teaching uh, beauty classes at a night school. Uh, she, in her, an old science lab. Yes, in an abandoned science lab, um, much like Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, a, a, a radioactive spider bites Fran Drescher. She gets powers now. So but pretty damn close. She gets mistaken through a wacky mishap. She ends up in the paper being called a teacher because she is technically a teacher. So uh, this Eastern European man takes her back to the fictional country of Slovenia and um, or is it Slovakia? I don't know what the name is. I don't know. I, I honestly I watched the movie very recently. Um, um, I'm sorry. I'm. I don't know if you're leaving this out on purpose, but I gotta tell them. I gotta tell them. She ends up in the paper because she saves animals from a fire at the school. It was Slovitzia. The fact that we open with a fire in a beauty school and yes. she is a hero, and that is not the main point of the film. Mm-mm. That's how you know you're in for a ride. It honestly has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. No, it is nothing. It's just we how meet, she gets mistaken for an actual teacher. We meet a whole like mini cast of characters in the scene where she's the teacher, and not a one of them comes back. No. It's not like she takes them to Slovitzia with her. No. She literally just, it's just and, set up. And they are a set of characters. Like, like Let me be like, clear. Yeah, no, they're like a wacky cartoon stereotypes. There's like a sassy man who uh, is smoking when he shouldn't be, and she's like, you're smoking in here. And he's like, I'm not smoking. But he's School burns down. But this is, I think the the plot of the film is really just a warning about just reading the headlines. Because that's definitely all this teacher did. it's about tweet now, confirm later journalism. It is, it is. Of course. Molly, we got a quibby. We got a quibby. Molly, we got a quibby. (laughs) But it cuts off in the middle of the This man mistakes Fran Drescher for an actual teacher and offers her to come to... Slavitsia. Slavitsia. I can't say it. You really Slavitsia. Okay. Slavitsia to teach the president's children, but the president is kind of a literal dictator. Yeah, it's like they're telling people that they live in a democracy, but it's a hundred percent dictatorship. You know, like several real life countries that we won't but mention we won't because name. they'll have us killed. And the thing is, Fran is Jewish, and so like her family is a little like you're gonna go to Eastern Europe. That's not exactly. There are the several best references to Nazis for Jews, and she's like, "It's fine. That totally doesn't happen anymore." And then you're like, while you're there, you're like, "Oh no, like yeah, this could be she... dangerous." But like, 
nothing happens because of that. Molly, I wish you hadn't brought that up during the plot summary part because now it seems like that's a beat in the movie when it's really just a quick. The point is, I'm sorry, I'm she sorry. has to teach the dictator's children, yes. but they think she's a regular school teacher. She doesn't know anything about the other subjects. So she's just kind of BSing her way through that. Well, worming her way into the heart of the dictator himself, the beast, Boris the Beast. Yes. Played by Molly. You're going to have to give me a minute here. Played by Mr. (laughs) Timothy Dalton. Listen, boys and girls, did I like to pull the clothes off my Luke Skywalker action figure? Sure, but that's nothing compared to what I would do to an action figure of Timothy Dalton. Oh, my God. (laughs) I Listen, I as, as, as a boy... I loved the James Bond movies. Pretty men, pretty women, everything, guns, explosions. Unfortunately, a little racism here and there. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta mention it because it's it's wrong to recommend movies to people without letting them know. But the point is, Molly, I loved the James Bond movies, and w- my favorite James Bond. I could never pick one. I loved Roger Moore. He was my first Bond, but he's not handsome. He's like an uncle who does like bad dad jokes and he always looks uncomfortable when he has to kiss a woman. He cuz literally anytime Roger Moore has to kiss a woman it looks like he's biting her face. He just doesn't know how to kiss people. He does he's not interested in being sexy. Pierce Brosnan is the most handsome James Bond. This is a bit of a tangent here, Danny. Yeah, no, we're getting there. Pierce Brosnan is the most handsome James Bond by all metrics of handsomeness. He's the best one. He's he's the one I find the most attractive. He's just he's a little chef's kiss. Love Pierce Brosnan. We've all seen Mamma Mia. He can't sing, but you don't care because look at the the noise that's coming. The face that the noise is coming out of is so great. Daniel Craig is a very rugged kind of handsome and Knives Out has made me love him even more. But Molly, I will always and forever have a soft spot for the two time Bond. Monsieur. Timothy Dalton, who has the chiseled features and the coolest blue eyes. He is so good, not only at being James Bond, but at being handsome, that he currently, in his 70s, is a star on the show Doom Patrol, which uh, was a DC Universe show that they moved to HBO Max. It's a great show. He is, in old age now, just as charming and handsome and sexy as he was in 1997's The Beautician and the Beast. You believe that Fran Drescher thaws his heart as he plays this character arc. Not unlike Scrooge. I'd love to see him do a Christmas Carol. I got major Scrooge vibes. So he, I don't know Timothy Dalton like Danny does, um, but I did did think he did a really great job in this. Um, So his whole thing is he's a dictator and he's a very busy man who like doesn't really pay attention to his children. You said tater. (laughs) Molly, go on. It, I lost my train of thought completely. Mm, I derail people, don't I? Um... He rules over his children like that jerk in The Sound of Music. Yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. This is a lot more like The Sound of Music than it is Beauty and the Beast. It is almost beat for beat, The Sound yeah, of Music. Yeah, it's a lot more similar to that. Um, Look, the Beauty and the Beast Including, is, like, the presence of the Nazis. Like, yes, the Nazism, the sort of... The difference being that the threat of fascism comes from within the home and yeah. does not come to the home yes and the teenage daughter is in love with a revolutionary who wants to end fascism as opposed to a nazi yeah instead of someone who wants to push fascism so that's the plot we got so we got the daughter who's has this like romeo and juliet love affair type thing we've got the son who's like hyper sexualized with fran and it's creepy but it's it's a facade but he wants to be an artist yes like that's his whole thing is he wants to be an artist but like he's supposed to take over as dictator i'll be honest with you 
the artist thing never really comes back. No. It, he, it's not like there's a scene later where he has to like, he paints. He, he paints. does do a painting. But he's it's, like, so he's like, Fran, should I tell my dad? And she's like, yeah, he's your father. He might not be happy at first, but he'll love you. And he's like, okay. And then like, we never see that, which like we get why we don't because so much more will happen. The one daughter's thing is like, I guess that she's like a little bit overweight, but not I didn't, really. I didn't really clock that the first time. But then later when they were talking about it, I was like, oh, I guess she is like a, a heavier child. Like, but barely. And like, so the, her whole thing is like, Fran's teaching her to feel beautiful. Yeah. And then they have a son who like- Is a baby. Is a baby. And he doesn't like, ha- he doesn't can't to- stop biting his nails. And so yeah. Fran has to teach him to not bite his nails. So she puts one of those fucking cones that you put on a dog on him. But Look, really, she's just giving him the love of a mother because their mother died. And, you know, the dictator is lonely. And so, of course, she's like- this is why I like the movie. Because this is this is part of the plot summary here, Danny. Fran is a no-nonsense type of person. <laughs> Fran is playing Fran. Like, she yes. isn't going to be... She's not kind of awkward, like, in The Sound of Music, where Maria, like, thinks the captain should be a different way, but she kind of shuts up and takes it. Like, she doesn't do that for a minute. She's just immediately like, why are you doing this? Why are you being a jerk? Like, you should talk to your children, and you should yes. not throw people in jail because they disagree with you. She's great, and I love it. Yes. Now, let's... I want to talk a little bit... The movie is great. We don't want to tell you all the individual jokes. No. That would be a waste of of your time. I will say that the movie does open with a little piece of Disney-esque animation, like a two-dimensional hand-drawn cartoon, which I love anytime a movie goes out of its way to have a cartoon. It just makes me happy because, you know, cartoons are good. And also, I noted to Molly that Fran Drescher was one of the sort of production companies behind this was her uh, high school sweethearts production company that also did the nanny and that Fran seems to genuinely have a thing for like throwing a little cartoon in there like the nanny had an animated Christmas special and of course the opening credits of every episode were a cartoon where we see her working at the bridal shop in Flushing Queens. We love anytime we get some 2D animation. Um, So I just love a little bit of animation uh, there at the beginning and also the fact that it's named you know Beautician and the Beast like the fairy tale. Yeah. The font is like the same as the Beauty and the Beast font but but just the part that says beauty, because beast is in that like cold gray lettering yeah. and beauty is in the cursive. It's like the whole title of Beautician and the Beast is in the cursive because the movie's all fun, Molly. Oh, it's all fun. At any rate, so the director of this is a guy named Ken Quapis. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a cool name. Uh, and Molly, I'm going to tell you what else he directed. And you're going to be like, of course, this man's a genius. Mm-hmm. How could I not have guessed okay. his cinematic work? Follow that bird. Oh. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Oh, the major Sisterhood of the Traveling and Pants vibes. he's just not that into you. Oh, my God. He directed two of my favorite movies. I'll um, let you guys guess which two. Molly, I think maybe it's three. I mean, follow that bird. Or, or, no, I'm talking about Beautician and the Beast. Oh. <laughs> I meant that Beautician and the Beast was in addition yes, to the other Yes, yeah, no, no, three of yes. my favorite movies. My God. Um, no, so for those of you who don't know, yeah. I'm a big Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants fan and a huge He's Just Something Into You fan. That is one of the few movies that I could quote from beginning to end if you gave me the first line. And honestly, I'm a big Follow That Bird guy. <laughs> Danny's so. trying to get me to... Um, you know, get into follow that bird. Yeah, I've just had some negative experiences with with it right. that I'm not going to get into. Now, the writer of the film is a is a fella named Todd Graff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a very famous cult movie called Camp, which is you know like campy kind mm-hmm. of camp, not like summer camp. Um, I mean, you know. But what I'm saying is, 
Uh, it's it's a musical comedy. But Molly, I think his greatest work that you would know. He is the director of a little movie called Joyful Noise. Oh, Joyful Noise. These are my men. No, but see, here's yes. the thing. When I sat down to this, yes, I expected it to be on the level of like a Joyful Noise. Yeah, where it's like, like I fun... might enjoy it, but. I know that maybe not everyone else will. Yeah. I genuinely think that this is a great movie. Like, I really enjoyed this. And so when Danny and I, after we watched this movie, we were like, what a great film. So spoiler alert, you know, a lot happens. That's my spoiler. It's just so much happens. The classic love tropes you see of her turning him into a softer man and he's going to become nice. And I love genuinely the transformation we see here because unlike most romantic comedies, I don't think the transformation part is like rushed it's not like they have one scene together and suddenly he's a nice guy and then something bad happens and the movie's over it's like we get a nice period of time where they are happy yeah and and there's a turn there is certainly a turning point there's a moment where late at night they both go to the kitchen to fix themselves a sandwich and that's kind of uh, like the the most obvious turning point but like after that it's not as if all of a sudden he's a nice guy it still takes a long time and she is reforming him not just as like a be nice to your friends thing but like politically, politically. she is shaping this nation which i loved so much that it was a even mildly political thing oh, yeah. like just like the bare bones of like Real quick, if you ever wanted to know what makes me the happiest in the world, it's Fran Drescher standing in a metalworks factory surrounded by a bunch of hardened workers, and she's standing like up on a table chanting at them about how they have to unionize. That is my favorite thing I've ever seen. Fran Drescher telling the people to seize the means of production. Chef's kiss. Communist Fran Drescher. (laughs) Well, socialist Fran Drescher. Um, At any rate. Um, Wait, I had a point with that, though. Oh, the metalwork, the slow transformation of the character. It's a gradual character arc. It's very well acted and written. Um, one of my favorite little things is that it avoids the worst trope in every movie. I hate yes, this trope. Yes, yes, tell them. It's, here's what happens in every movie. The main character has been telling a lie the whole movie. And then the the other character finds out about the lie and goes, I can't believe that. And then they kind of storm off into the night. And then the characters are apart for roughly 10 minutes and then the one who was angry comes back and says like look i'm not happy about what you did but we got to go out there and we got to do this show but after that i'm done with you and then they go out and they do the show and it's so great that they end up staying together like you know a bug's life where uh flick is lying to everybody and then everybody finds out and all the other characters go like we're mad at you flick and they walk away and there's like a sad little montage and then at the end the characters come back and they do it anyway it happens in every movie, yeah. uh, and it drives me nuts because it wastes like a good 10 minutes of the movie, and I am starting to really enjoy movies where that doesn't happen. And we got to watch two movies recently yes. where that happened. We watched Stan and Ollie where, spoiler alert for Stan and Ollie, the two characters, uh, they they do break up for a portion of the film, but it's not over the lie. The lie just yeah. the lie just doesn't matter, Like, and I'm, I don't feel bad telling you that. It's just because like- the lie never yeah, matters. We watched three movies lately oh. because we had this, Stan and Ollie, yes. and then Psych 2. Oh, Psych Spoiler 2. Spoiler alert. Yes. Everyone's lying and nobody cares. At the end, they're all just like, well, we were we, we all, all lying. It. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, which was pretty great. So three movies recently have bucked that trend and have been so much more enjoyable for yeah, it. Yeah, and I really liked that because of the fact that you 
Because you feel like you know where the movie is going with that. Mm-hmm. You think that the whole point of the movie is that she's going to have to tell him, I'm not a real teacher, and yeah. that's going to be our drama. And it's not. Like, the drama is actually the politics. And that's what I love about this film and is it's called Beautician and the Beast, but the beauty got nothing to do with it. It could have been called The Communist but Manifesto. But I do think one of the best lines in the movie is, if this is what, like, people are, then, like, I, I'm doing it terribly. You but, like, really are I'm not so saying bad. words. I'm sorry. But he's like, if this is what it takes, I think all teachers should go to beauty school oh, to yes. turn out like you. No, and can like- I tell you something? I cried at that almost <laughs> as much as I cried at Knives Out, you are a good nurse. Yeah. No, the, the moment when Fran goes, I have to tell you something. I'm not a real teacher. And he goes, not a real teacher. Look what you have done with for the country. Look what you have done for me. I am a better man. You have taught me more than anyone ever has. And then at the end, he does say, all teachers should go to beauty school. <laughs> and then she just kind of has this like, Aw. like it's uh. it really did get me to tear up. I loved it. And then you know what? The movie still finds a way to have conflict. It yes. still has a downbeat at the at sort of not even what's great about it is that it's not at the end of the second act because in well, a movie much like the sound of music it makes you think several times this will be the ending <laughs> or this will be the conflict and yeah. it's not because in sound of music you think the conflict is that yeah. she's falling in love with this man and she, yet she wants to be a nun and all this but no the conflict is the Nazis yes like and that's very much the vibe we get here I love when a movie pulls a double blind which is part of why Knives Out is great because it pulls a double blind and I won't spoil that like but that like, pulls like seven blinds Honestly, that movie is just, it's a quadruple blind. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's a gift of the Magi by O. Henry, which also pulls a double blind. Um, I had to say, I remembered my point from earlier. Not only do we have the, um, we get to see his transformation longer. I liked that in this movie, we have the nice balanced combo of not that I don't like you. And the whole beginning is I don't like you. And then at the end, it actually turns out I liked you. And it's also not. Oh, I loved you from the beginning, but I can't be with you, and this yeah. is so frustrating. It's like, no, nah, like we kind of get the vibe from the beginning that like he kind of likes her, but he's still being serious yeah. with her, and it's like it felt very yeah. real because of that. And honestly, I I just really enjoyed their chemistry. They yeah. had a thing going, like which is weird because it's Fran Drescher, and you don't want to picture her with anyone but Mister Sheffield, yeah, um, or her ex husband who turned out to be gay, right, from the show Happily Divorced. Like you don't you don't want to picture her with anyone else. But honestly, her and Timothy Dalton have great chemistry. And he like the kind of the first moment where you're like, oh, there's a little something here is uh, is is this great moment where he's at like a fencing lesson, which is a great like (laughs) I am a crazy king thing to be doing is just have a fencing lesson. And he's yelling at her because she keeps doing this thing where he'll yell at her and then she'll go like, "Okay, I'll do what you say except you're wrong about this, as she walks away. And he keeps getting angry when she does it. And he goes, why must you always do the one more thing? <laughs> and then, which is very Columbo-esque of her, which is why yeah. I want to see Fran Drescher do a reboot of Columbo. Oh my God, Wouldn't I pay great? so much money. The Fran Drescher murders. And it's just like she goes around and she Hashtag just- Hashtag Fran for Columbo. Columbo. Hashtag Fran for Columbo. And if that's not clear as day, I don't know what is. Exactly. Um, at any rate, uh, and then like she sees, she's he's like yelling at her, and she just notices that he has a big cut on his hand from the fencing lesson, and she's like, "What is that? Let me see that." And she's just like trying to patch up his hand, and he's like, "Like, oh, no, it's fine. You don't have to." Like he, <laughs> he kind of stops yelling, and which is weirdly the same as in Beauty and the Beast. That is, that's the main he, part that's like Beauty and the Beast. He fends off the wolves, and then she's like trying to help him, and he yells at her. She's like, Hold still. Yeah. Um. It hurts. Beauty and the Beast. I just really liked it. I I mean, I love Fran. I think Fran's comedy is just 
it's such in our vibe. We love the Jewish comedy. Like, we just do. Because and of our home. Our because home, of who we grew up yeah, with. It's very much in our vibe. It's it's in our blood. It's in our blood. Our literal, literal DNA. Our literal DNA, Molly. But she is, it's, it's just, she's so funny. And I love, like, I love having a strong female character. Okay. Can I say something? Go ahead. Here is the main reason why I want to do this episode. All right? It is because I would like to address... I'm cracking my knuckles. Some of the reasons. Sorry if you don't like knuckle cracking sounds, people. The mic maybe didn't even pick it up. Here's the thing. Beautician and the Beast did not get great reviews when it came out. Yeah, this is why we're doing this. As most studio comedies don't. Because let's face it, most studio comedies are very cliche, not so great. But here's the thing about Beautician and the Beast. Some of these criticisms are outright invalid. If you don't think the movie's funny. That's fine. If you don't buy the love story, that's fine. If you think it's trite, if you think it's too schmaltzy, first of all, get in touch with your feelings. Second of mm. all, second of all, if you think it's been done before, the, like one of the primary criticisms. Oh, well, yeah, God, I mean, it's God. literally a riff on it's a fairy literally, tale. Like, so, that's the point. what do you want? <laughs> like, if you think a movie's been done before, spoiler alert, they all have. Mm-hmm. At any rate, a lot of the criticism surrounds Fran. And I feel like there was this thing. I'm sorry. I'd argue. All the criticism is around. You Fred. don't see anyone going like Timothy Dalton isn't good in this. No, nobody says Timothy Dalton is too old. Oh God. Okay, here's what we're. Here's the main thing we want to get into. Fran Drescher was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Actress, and all the criticism that we read, which you know Wikipedia links to a few criticisms, mm-hmm. uh, all the criticism was. Pretty much around either Fran or the script. Here's the thing. Fran handpicked the screenwriter and he, because he had a great understanding of her sense of humor. And that is for sure because he writes her some great bits. It's great. I'm sure she plussed up some of it the way she would, you know, kind of put her own personality into the nanny or whatever. You but, know, the way that she – no one freaks out like Fran. No. It's this calm yet panicked face where it's she – It's It's so perfect. She's got like the open mouth of like, oh, oh. But I, I've seen yeah, our oh, mother. It's so great. I have seen our mother do it so many times. It's perfection. But anyway, so a lot of the criticism was around Fran, and these criticisms range from: Look, I love Roger Ebert, but the man had some weird opinions. He yeah. liked some bad stuff, and he hated some good stuff. Which you know, everybody disagrees with critics from time to time. Literally, everyone's a critic. But anyway, he was talking about Fran, and he was like, Fran never seems sort of. Uh, Uncomfortable. What's the word? Confident. Not confident. How do you say that? Yeah, not. I don't know. Unconfident. She never seems unsure of herself, and therefore we cannot relate to her as a protagonist. That was his argument. And to that, I would say I was really enjoying watching a romantic comedy where the female lead was a confident woman who literally did not bend in the face of a fascist dictator. It was so refreshing to watch this character kind of Bugs Bunny her way out of trouble with this guy or just like straight up yell at him. It was great because every romantic comedy has a woman who's like, gosh, I'm so sorry. And they're like twirling their hair and they're nervous around this like cute guy or whatever. And they're like, you know, or they're a woman who works too hard and they need to learn to, which is I'm describing uh, the movie Holiday now, where it's like a woman who works too hard and she needs to get away with it and learn to just hang out with a man and relax. I love that this movie is like Fran's parents are yelling at her to settle, you know, and they're like, just settle with someone. And her dad is like, I settled, you know, <laughs> like they, they're they talking about like, you just have to settle and find a man and be over with it. I love that she doesn't take that from her parents. I love that she does not when she meets this pow- literally powerful man. She's like still getting ready to to meet him. And she like is kind of like, oh, hi, Mr. President or whatever. But she's never like. 
I'm so sorry. She literally, like at the big dramatic fight scene towards the end, she's literally, not like the sword fight, like they're yelling. She literally just like defends herself. She doesn't like shrink up. I love that she's confident. That never happens. Has such a confidence. We never get that moment in this movie of, I don't think I can do this. We don't have that moment of like, you know, I don't think I can do this lie. Like how am I, until like the part, you obviously have that when she then tells him the truth, but it's not like, you know, as it's going on, she's at all unsure of herself. The only time she's unsure of herself is when she has to kill a live chicken. Yes. She does have to murder a chicken and she can't do it. And 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 she doesn't. We love her for it. And so I, I love seeing that. I feel like what they did with this, they accomplished more strong, genuine female in this yeah. than the live action version of Beauty and the Beast. They Ooh. were trying to be like, Belle's a strong woman and she can read and she could invent things too. And it's yeah, like, she invented Fran Drescher did more than th- this to be like a confident woman than any other movie I've seen. I love that they were like, we need to show Belle's an inventor. And it's like, well, first of all, that's what her dad does. So now her dad's useless, even though I love Kevin Klein. And she but was like, willing to give up. She love. invented laundry. Yeah, I can't get that, over Beauty that, and the Beast, yeah. where they were like, we need to make this more feminist. What we need is a scene of her doing laundry. Right. Like that's your f- big feminism. Like no offense, but it just feels like if you ran that by like a couple women, one of them would have like flagged a little note, like, hey, uh, could her big feminist activity not be doing the wash for yeah. her dad? For her old dad. Fran's big feminist thing was like stopping communism. Fran, so well, like a dictatorship. She's yeah. organizing a labor union, which is the good kind of socialism. You get the point. Uh, more like fascism. Okay, I'm she's sorry. stopping she was fascism. Stopping fascism. She stops fascism. She re- she heals a nation, and I love that she like won't bow down to like kind of casual fascism, which no. is what Boris the Beast tries to go for. He tries to do these half measures, and she literally won't have it, and she goes back to America. She's willing to give up love for that to the point where he really realizes what's going on he changes his ways i guess i'm spoiling it but you know they're going to end up together literally you see fran drescher bring full-out democracy to this nation at the end of the movie they're having real elections and the political prisoners have been let go and like it's amazing i like i love this movie i love that she's confident i love that the other characters change around her i love that she learns but She, she doesn't she doesn't really learn well, she like she, you know, she kind of brings herself to this experience, but like she doesn't learn a lesson. Except she that learns that her dream isn't what she wants. Her she dream gives yeah. up the lottery. She doesn't want to do the lottery thing, which like good for her. But that's it, and like that's not even a big yeah. point of this. That's such a minuscule yes. part of this, and that's it's, what I like. Is yeah, yeah, we don't have to relate to her struggling. She is the struggle that a lot of us face. Of my God, everyone around me is stupid. Yes. And you know what? I got to say this. Sound of Music, I love it. But let's face it. The whole point of Maria is that she is trying to be confident, but yes. she's just a little clumsy and quirky. Right. Fran is just actually confident. She's clumsy yeah. and quirky, but she's confident no, in it. Yeah, the thing is that like she she has moments of like, I can't do this, but not because it's something, but it's because it's literally something she shouldn't a be doing. A school might go on fire under her watch, but she's going to go in and save the animals. She's going to save those lab mice. Now, I have to talk about my least favorite criticism yes, of go this ahead. film. Because I think I know what you're talking about. Can you about. imagine having the motherfucking audacity oh. to say that Fran Drescher is too old to be an ingenue? She is what? What was she, in her 30s or 40s when she did this? I don't fucking give She's a shit. She's not even Are old you now. saying like, that older adults can't have a nice love story? And how dare you? And again, I'd like to point out not one fucking word about how Timothy Dalton is too old to be a love interest. Timothy Dalton's older than her! 
what kind of sexist bullshit is this and it was- that Fran Drescher, <laughs> the queen, who is old enough to have the confidence yes. that she does – to say she's too old to be the ingenue in this film. Also, fuck you, uh, fuck you. Whoever wrote it, whoever wrote it, I, don't I can't remember. remember. But the fuck point you. is, I'm glad we're not screaming at the critic by name. But I mean, I'd like to put him on. I'd blast. like to put him on the spot, but my God knows I don't remember exactly. Who you were. But my point is, like, like is she too old to be like a 20 year old? Yes, because she's literally not 20. But the whole point is, she's still living with her parents, and they want her to settle and get out of the house. Like the point is. She's being a mother to these four children. The point is also that she has to be age appropriate to marry a man who has had four children already and been president. He has to be of a certain age. So she does. Also, you don't just stop being in love with people once you hit 40. Like, I don't want to be a dick. Oh, but it, it makes me angry that that was considered valid media criticism 20 years ago. And this was 97, so 23 years ago, right? How dare you? Like, literally, how dare you? Like, it's literally, so how dare you? stupid. And, and like, look, and to Roger Ebert's point, maybe, you know, he has trouble relating to people who are not confident because he was a middle-aged male film critic, you know? But, like, some of us enjoy watching a confident character just like, look, you can't really relate to Superman because he's Superman. But sometimes it's nice to just watch someone be good at stuff. Yeah. Like James Bond is not a relatable character either, but you like watching him because A, he's cool, and B, fun stuff happens when he's around and he tells jokes. Like Fran Drescher doesn't have to be relatable, although I find her very relatable find her very rela- because but, she does remind me of our mom a little bit. Also, the things that aren't relatable about her are what's funny to me. That like, she is confident. That She, she is confident. My God, I wish I had her guts in everything that she's in and yes the other criticism is that this is just the nanny but in a movie but like a who fucking cares the nanny is an amazing television when was the show. last time we criticized a male comic for doing their shtick right you know like this like, is her bit is that she's a confident jewish woman from new york like that's her whole gig you know like and she likes to convince tight rich men uptight <laughs> not tight well uptight, i mean tight, honestly rich men timothy to dalton the fuck out and to, like, let their children be happy. Yeah. Look, you know. Who cares? If you were to look at Beverly Hills Cop and, like, any other Eddie Murphy movie, like, yes, he's playing a very similar character. Look at the concept of a movie star. The whole point of a movie star is that you associate them with a specific brand is or personality. Is Bill Murray not the same asshole in every movie Literally, he's in? I watched Groundhog, yes, uh, Groundhog Day yesterday. Yeah. And today. And today. And today. <laughs> no, I watched Groundhog Day yesterday. And literally, he is his character from Ghostbusters. Yeah. He is his character from Osmosis Jones. He is his character from St. Vincent. He's the same guy in every same movie. Guy. But we don't go like, oh, Bill Murray's just playing Bill Murray. You know, he does some movie like St. Vincent or Lost in Translation where he plays a sad Bill Murray. And all of a sudden, we're like, the genius, the comic genius. Fran Drescher dared to have one movie where she played into the same character she plays because, spoiler alert, Fran Fine was based on Fran Drescher. <laughs> she happens to play into her strengths and we criticize her for it. Fran Drescher did the thing she's good at and also dared- And looked good doing it, goddammit. She actually does look gorgeous in she this movie. She looks amazing. At the end of this no. movie when she came out in the big like gown for the- for the Gorgeous. Molly was about to cry. I was gonna cry. I was I, about I to cry. I cried at this movie. I I'd cried like to too. I cried at we the end. We cried. It was great. This is a good movie and I know you're- Molly- pro- You're either loving this or hating it because you haven't seen it but I'm just- We needed to, you to know- that it's yes. a good fucking movie. And just one last thing about the criticism of yes. the movie, I would like to say. Ahem. 
The Nanny's a good show, and I would watch a movie version of it. Yes. Because she's funny, and she's great. I love Fran Drescher. I think she's an incredible talent. I think that she has an interesting life story. I think that she has an interesting uh, comic persona, and I'm happy to watch her in different situations. And you know what? One last thing, Roger Ebert. I know he's dead. One last thing about the whole confidence issue. You've never met a Jewish woman from New York. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Yes, it is wrong to stereotype people. But our mother is a Jewish woman from New York. And if you put our mother in the same room as a fascist dictator, I can almost guarantee she would criticize everything he was doing not just politically not just how he was dressed but like the way he would eat his food the way he would breathe too loud sometimes Mm -hmm. the way that sometimes he would be too loud when he wasn't doing anything (laughs) there is no way to stop a powerful jewish queen you can't do it roger ebert so you know that to me gives the credit to fran because the dictator would not have ended up falling in love with our Okay, well, yes, that's true. So if you can do that, be that confident, and be an endearing woman, power to you. I mean, to be fair... In the words of John Mulaney, (laughs) (laughs) I I did. In the words of John Mulaney, Fran Drescher is a four-foot-tall dynamite Jewish bitch, and we love her. We do. (laughs) She's incredible, and I love her in this movie. And you're right. She does manage to be a good deal warmer than that stereotype implies, which, by the way, there's nothing... You know, that, to say that that stereotype is all she is is wrong because she is a more rounded character yeah, than that. She is. There is more to it. To and that, she than is that. not just criticizing people based on their look. She's not shallow because she makes this little girl feel beautiful, even though she feels that she's, you know, a heavy set girl, which like I very much appreciate anything like that in a movie from the 90s. I do. Like we get a real sound at music bit where she makes her a dress out of the bed sheets. That is very good. <laughs> like, that's a little You random. know that that's just a sound of there music There is so much in this be. movie. My God, I wish I could sit here and tell you bit for bit the film because yeah. it's all gold it is it's yeah. all gold we get Oops, some, all gold some classic like pretending to be a masseuse bit oh we get some classic like rich man experiencing the world for the first time bits we get some really classic british actor doing a russian accent imitating an american yes. from new york where he's like doing fran drescher isms <laughs> In his Russian, so it's Timothy Dalton, who's very British, in his fake Russian accent, Slovetia accent, doing Fran's New York sort of, what do you want? So it is the greatest, like, it's like when Bugs Bunny does an impression of Daffy Duck, and then Daffy Duck pretends to be Bugs Bunny, and somehow, even though both of those are just the same guy doing the same two voices, they sound completely different. It's, Timothy Dalton's a great actor, and this is a great movie, and also Fran does a Russian accent at one point, and you, I love to see it. It is so good. I It energized me in a way, this movie. This I movie it. really, it was what I needed, and it's what you need. I can't explain to you why, but whoever you are, you're going to take what you need out of this movie. Like It's going to yeah. bring it to you, and you're going to love it. And you know what? You're going to love yourself for treating yourself to the movie. You are. And you might. It's like ice cream. I felt more confident after watching it. Like, I'm not going to lie. It does make It it kind of made me feel confident. Because it's like, honestly, you feel after watching this, like, you know what? Things can change and I can help change them. Yeah. You're like, it's. (laughs) The government is really (laughs) shitty right now, but maybe what we need is Fran Drescher. Oh, my God. 
Molly, if we literally just send Fran Drescher to the White House, I don't think I don't think we can get through to the current administration, but I feel like she could just secretly run things yeah. and they wouldn't notice. Oh, Fran. Fran. I would love a Fran, show. Fran, we need Wait, you. Wait, a show where Fran Drescher just plays the president. It's perfect. Molly, don't even think about it. I won't. Don't even consider I'm, the I'm implications. I'm signing on. Her as Columbo as the president on there. Fran Drescher is Columbo for president. <laughs> Hashtag Fran for Columbo. Hashtag Fran for president. Love it. We love to see it. We love to see it. We love Fran. And we love you. We love you. Thanks for tuning into The Pants Are Too Tight. We have literally so much more to say about The Beautician and the Beast. I know. But we kind of wanted to keep this one short because all we have to say is positive. So there's no Uh, nuance here other than some of the criticisms are bullshit. Well, that's what we're obsessed with here. The obsession is the fact that this movie did as poorly. I feel like it was judged unfairly. It really really was. I really do. Can I say one last thing real quick? I feel like in the 90s, there was this instinct to attack a confident female comedian of any kind. And oh, especially I, I one, think that that's true today. Especially. Too. Well, yes. Oh, actually, you're right. But especially one with like distinctive characteristics that yeah. you could easily caricature. Now, Roseanne is canceled. And I agree with why Roseanne is canceled. Yeah. She deserved it. But- if I may be so bold, go ahead. 90s Roseanne hadn't done anything bad yet, and her show actually espoused very liberal politics. Like, yeah. if you watch Roseanne, it's like literally I'm the- I'm pretty sure Lo- Roseanne is like 90% liberal. She just doesn't come out great with it. I think her brain just broke at some yeah, point. Like, like she, I don't want to lie to you. It's not good. The she videos was she's very been about lately. having like- people of all races on the show yeah. and like people of all sexualities on the show like she was very for Something that Something happened so i don't know what happened i think that she was trying Too much time on that walnut farm maybe i don't know i don't know but anyway, anyway roseanne's another story for another day yeah but, but roseanne's canceled but in the 90s she had done nothing wrong her show espoused very liberal politics if you follow the sort of season-long story arcs it's all about how a middle-class american family literally cannot get out of a hole no matter how hard they try we see them do like the all-american thing of we'll start our own business and and then it fails and puts them even deeper in debt yeah. because that is the reality of America. That's the situation. You literally cannot get ahead in this country because the system is only designed to benefit the wealthy. That is the message of Roseanne. Yeah. That is not the message of Roseanne in 2020, well, um, regardless of the show. Yeah, the but comments, no, I mean. it is. The Roseanne show, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I just have to say, like, everyone – who was super conservative was like Roseanne is coming back that's a show for us and I'm like you're just not getting the point of Roseanne oh yeah Roseanne is all about the fact that the people are conservative in the show and they have to learn the error of their ways that is really what it is they're seeing the flaws in that line of logic and yeah. that did not get enough appreciation and I think the show got a lot of unfair slamming because of yeah. that now Roseanne's comments Aside, she deserved to be She canceled. deserved that. But but I will say that 90s Roseanne had not said right, those things that. yet. And again, her show seemed like on the up and up. Yeah. She had done nothing wrong. And yet look back at like 90s parodies of pop culture, things like SNL, things like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, even Animaniacs or something. Yeah. They are so vicious and kind of misogynistic. I love Animaniacs and I love Tiny Toons, but they are outright mean to Roseanne. Yeah. You know, now granted- Roseanne was apparently a terror to writers, and so maybe the people working on those shows had some inside dirt on how cruel she was. That is probably the case. But when you look at just the media image of her, things like, I don't know, Mad TV are not kind to Roseanne, and they pick on her about being heavy, having an annoying voice, and being a woman. Yeah. That is the image. And I feel like the same thing kind of happened with Fran for a little bit, where people were like, oh, she talks like this, as if, A, 
Fran doesn't actually talk like that. She just has like a rasp to her voice. And you know what? I like her voice. I think it's a quirky thing. My boyfriend loves the the voice. The voice of Janice, the voice that type of voice. That he loves loves Harley Quinn. He loves it. Uh, there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series called Joker's Millions where he like forgets Harley in Arkham and he doesn't really care. So he just hires a new Harley. And one of them is voiced by the actress who plays Janice. And she keeps calling him Mr. G by mistake. <laughs> and it is that. one of my favorite <laughs> things. Because she like because she is the voice that people think of when they're doing like a Harley Quinn, which is like, a, oh, geez, I'm sorry, boss, which is not how real Harley Quinn talked in that show. And somehow it got mutated through pop culture that Harley had that exact voice. And so when everyone does Harley Quinn and all the later cartoons, it's, yeah. oh, geez, boss, I'm the lady from Guys and Dwalls, which is just not it's not that New Yorky. It's very different. It's idiosyncratic to Arlene Sorkin. Hinden Walsh, the voice actress who plays Starfire in the Bubblegum Princess, she's like the only person I've ever her do it perfectly right she's done it for a couple of those animated movies she can just do that perfect harley quinn voice and i bet she could double fran drescher if she had to but fran is great and i love her and uh i will not stand for sexism against fran yes that's the thing is that like gilbert Gottfried has existed for just as long as fran has a much more annoying voice much more and you know has certainly seen his share of pop culture parodies but you'll notice that they're never as cruel they're never as like let's really dig into this guy let's like mock his appearance let's mock this you know when was the last time you looked at a caricature of gilbert Gottfried? and i feel like like there are a lot of people who know his voice that probably don't have a clear picture of what the guy looks like and And spoiler alert fran drescher looks a lot nicer than fran drescher's a lot look i think gilbert Gottfried would agree he's not as pretty as fran drescher i think if you asked him but i just feel like there's this attitude towards a woman in comedy especially if they're confident and i feel like that happened with fran and you can tell in the reviews that they're like she's too confident and she's too old i was so heartbroken by the reviews and i knew there wasn't going to be good reviews yeah because just like i judged the movie before we put it on i was pretty confident every other person did too yeah because there's this idea that you know rom-coms can't be good movies like yeah. they're kind of just you know universally thought of as bad and jokes and it's like and there's we a lot wouldn't of bad make ones. so many of them if people didn't yearn for that type of story in their life so f- check yourself first of all and they're not just for yeah. women because it takes two to fall in love okay and sometimes those two can both be women We're sometimes those people and sometimes they can both be men and sometimes okay. they can both be men. So and sometimes they can both be non-binary well, people. Not, it's for everybody. I everybody. want a romantic. I want a romantic comedy about a thruple. I'm not even joking. That would be such an interesting movie. You know, there are exists. new relationship. Well, I, I feel mean, like that was like, Three's Company, right? No, <laughs> just kidding. I mean, honestly, though, maybe <laughs> but, Three's Company. Was a thruple. I'm not the first one. We should do a reboot for Quibi of Three's Company where they're a thruple. Oh, also, I'm starting a new streaming service called Thrupp, which is just thruple-based comedies, and they're all eight to ten minutes long. Um. But no, everything's only three minutes long. One minute for each member of the thruple. I'm really <laughs> hot down it. here. It's very weird. Um, anyway, I just think that Fran is great. And I think that we just, we gotta, we gotta share yeah. the love because she didn't get, Fran is a cancer survivor. Fran is one of the toughest, nicest, greatest people out there. She's, She's on Cameo if you want to Cameo her um, and get some money for some good charity. Yeah, she's, she's one of great. those people who's on Cameo for charity and she's just a talent 
and just a just a cool woman. She's got a, her own foundation as a cancer survivor. She yeah. founded the most on-brand charity. By the way, sometimes celebrities will found a charity and give it like a fun name. Like I know Kevin Smith is involved with a thing called the Wayne Foundation, as in like you know Batman, Bruce Wayne kind of thing, where it's like an actual charity. It's for survivors of uh, uh, childhood abuse and and uh, child trafficking, right? Uh, Fran has the best yeah. name for a charity, which is Cancer Schmancer, which I love. The most on-brand thing ever. And it because when you hear it, you hear it in her voice, kind of. Just like the intonation, just like Cancer Schmancer. Like it's so good. And I love her and I I wish Honestly, donate to Cancer Schmancer. Oh yeah, give money to people. Um <laughs> give money to people. <laughs> Revolution. I mean, what concept. else are we gonna do with it? But look, watch the movie. Yeah, let please let us if you're already a fan of Beatition and the Beast, tell us your story. How'd you come across it? Was it a family favorite? Like where how did, did you, you get find a dog? Did, you, did get... you see it on opening day? Did it come in one of those DVDs that has three other movies in it, but they're all on like one disc? Did so you you're watch not sure it on ABC it? Family? when you were watching four other rom-coms in a row. Did you watch it right after you saw Sweet Home Alabama? Or did you not watch it, but you had a weird fever dream about it? Did you feel like you've seen this movie? Because it is, look, all rom-coms are kind of cliche. In some ways, you have. Look, whether or not you've actually seen Beautician and the Beast, you've seen See, most of Beautician and the Beast. But you should really let us know what you think. If you watch it for the first time, yes. thank us, and then let us know what you think. And hashtag um, it's on HBO Columbo. Max, and you could probably find it illegally online somewhere. Oh, yeah, probably look. in the dollar bin at your local movie store, which is a travesty. But yes, but look, I here's I'm putting it out right now. I would love here in the quarantine. We are getting every possible reunion, and I know Fran. Yeah. Fran already did a table read of the nanny pilot. I get that yeah. she already brought the cast back. Here's what I want. I want Fran to do a commentary for Beautician. Oh and the my Beast. God, please Just and put it out. A commentary, Fran. We and want. we'll 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 pay for it. We'll pay I'll for pay it. my I'd actually pay money to listen to her talk about Beautician and the Beast. I'd kind of pay money to listen to her talk about anything. I and think I'll can. just give I think I'll just give Fran Drescher money. Let's do it. What watch tomorrow Fran Drescher's gonna say the most problematic thing in the world and we're gonna have to cancel this podcast. As if she couldn't. She couldn't. She's, She's busy crazy. organizing unions in Slavitsia. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well thanks for tuning in. Don't forget thanks. hashtag Fran for Columbo. The whole